evening. Welcome back to the house of the Lord. It's good to have all of you here. And uh, although it's been raining and it's, it's nice to sleep in, and yet you are here in the house of God. Praise God for you. Come on, give your neighbor a good nudge and say, good to see you here. Good to see you here. Good to see you here. And uh, I'm confident to say that our church, we don't have just have fair-weathered Christians. Amen? We don't have... We don't just have fair-weathered Christians. We have people who would come despite the rain or shine, despite the circumstances that you go through, you still are here worshipping the Lord. Amen? Amen. Okay, so today, I'm a bit echoey. I, like, I can hear myself, like, I don't know why. Test, test, test. Okay, uh, now I'm a bit soft. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Okay, we, we work it out along the way, yeah. Okay, so a um, couple of weeks ago when uh, I preached, I think a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember, but during the worship service, it was very funny because it was at the worship service standing here that the Lord gave me a title of a sermon and I didn't have any content to it yet. He just gave me the title of the sermon and it was called The Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, The Dark Side of the Moon. I said, Dark side of the moon, you know? Then I, I googled it after that when I went back and I realized Pink Floyd, how many of you know who Pink Floyd is? Pink Floyd has an album called Dark Side of the Moon. Okay, I I I, I don't know lah, okay? I really didn't know. So then then later on when I told some other people, they told me that, oh Mulan, Mulan, the show, huh? They also they sang the song called Dark Side of the Moon, correct? Huh? Correct? So yeah, yeah. So the worship team say, we can sing that for altar call. I said, no, 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 let's not sing that for altar call. Okay, but uh, I really had no idea what this meant. And uh, as I was continuing to, to, to read about the dark side of the moon and understand it a little bit more. Um, okay, so the dark side of the moon, or actually, if, if you were to talk to astronomers, they would cringe when, if you use this term. Okay, because they will never call it the dark side of the moon. They will call it the far side of the moon. Okay, because... Although, okay, so this is what happens. Can you see? The, can I show the next picture? Okay. Do you notice every time you look at the moon, the moon looks the same? Correct or not? Do, uh, you have never looked at the moon before? You've seen the full moon, right? Every time you see a full moon, it's the similar side. You looks like, it looks like a, there's a rabbit there or it looks like some shadow of a... You know, it's, it's the same side of the moon. Every time you look at a full moon, it's the same side of the moon. It is very strange, but the moon is actually a sphere. Why do you not see the other side? Trust me, I also never asked that question before, okay? Until when, when God asked me for the far dark side of the moon. And then when I read about it, and I understood. So what happens is, your moon, the moon uh, has its rotation, okay? So the moon is rotating at its own axis. And at the same time, it is also rotating around, it's orbiting around the, the, the earth. Okay? So there is the... Okay, maybe I have Jason. <laughs> as the... As the earth lah! As the earth. <laughs> Joshua, come here! And you can be my moon. Can you see them? Can you see them, right? So this is Earth, okay? So this is Moon. So Moon, Moon is also rotating, okay? And at the same time, he's rotating. He's also rotating, orbiting around the Earth. 
Okay? So, but the very interesting thing is this. While the moon is rotating and, and, uh, and orbiting, they wrote up, okay, one, one rotation is 29 days. One rotation orbit around is also 29 days. That's why you have one month. So it's because it is at the same speed. That is why we, every time we look at the moon, it's always facing, we're only seeing one side. But it doesn't mean that actually at no point, this moon doesn't, doesn't get light at all. It's just that we never see it. Every time when it's night time, we don't see this side. We always see this side. You get it? Okay, if you don't get it, then, then you all can go on and read some more. Like, okay? okay? But yes, thank you very much. Uh, let's give the moon and the sun and the moon and the earth uh, a big hand. Now, the funny thing is this. The far side of the moon, on the other side, there's very little exploration that has gone to uh, studies to it. Recently, China sent up a, a, uh, an exploration and they actually caught visuals and they've done some studies about this far side of the moon. And they realized that the far side of the moon, if you look at this is the near side of the moon is what you see. Okay, what we see and uh, how they have already explored it and they understand it. Now the far side of the moon on the other hand is very interesting. Look at the other side and how it looks like and all the um, craters and how the, the landscape is so different from the near side of the moon. In fact, there is a huge crater there called the Atkins Bowl, which is one of the largest, uh, largest craters that has ever been discovered. Okay, so, so then I said, what has that got to do with the sermon? I don't understand God, you know. I can do astronomy class, I can do science, I can teach science with this, but I don't understand. So then when, when, when I tried to understand it further, and, and this is what the Lord said, that, this is going to be a two-part series yeah, this week and also next week. And uh, it's coming to the end of this year. We are already at the uh, almost tail end of November 23rd today, right? And a lot of us have made a lot of resolutions in the beginning of the year. Or perhaps in the last couple of years, you've already been praying for some things to happen or, or believing God for something. And yet, when we come to church, a lot of times we... We hear a lot of very good inspirational, very good encouraging messages um, reminding us that God's promises are yes and amen and in His time, He makes all things beautiful, you know. Come on, cheer up, smile. You, you, don't talk about the negative stuff. Don't talk about, about, you know, things that don't go well in your life or prayers that are not answered or why are you still waiting for those prayers to be answered? And, and it's, I think it's important for us to also address certain things that do happen even when you are a Christian, even when you are going through rough times, you do go through rough times even though you have Christ in your life. Am I talking to real people here? God, yeah? yeah or is it only me? I mean, then you, I need counselling. Because I do still go through tough times in my life. And I still go through moments where I feel that, that hey, you know, what's going on, God? I thought you promised certain things. I thought you spoke certain things in my life. And when I understood this, this is like, our lives is just like this moon. In the front, the near side, we see a very beautiful picture. A picture where we stay positive. A picture that is seen by everyone else. 
People look at you and they think, wow, you know, you're doing fine. People look at you and say you're successful. People look at you and say that you are so faithful. People look at you and say that, wow, good job, you know, and, and, and despite all you're going through, you're still smiling. But there is also the other side in our lives where there are so many craters, there are so many issues, and so many things that we are going through. And it's the one is the one and same moon. It's the one and same life that is affected by the Word of God, that is impacted by the Word of God, but it's still there. It's still there. And it's still, a situ- and it's, and it's still um, feelings and um, uh, issues that we are going through. There are moments where we do still feel despair, disappointments, depression, we are feeling despondent, disillusionment, dejection, and so on and so forth. Sometimes there are moments when we feel depressed and all alone because we no longer seem to have that supportive and we feel even abandoned. And by feeling abandoned by people, at the same time, sometimes we even feel abandoned by God. We even feel that you don't hear God anymore. You don't even know whether God is really there in your life, especially if situations continue to to snowball and there are other things that are happening as well. So, so when God told me to, sh- to, to preach about this, I was like, wow, okay. And I started reading about some things, you know. I'm amazed that there is so little written on, in Christian literature with regards to helping believers who feel abandoned by God. And you thought, you know, God had spoken something over you, something, but then it hasn't come to pass. Why has it not come to pass? Even in the book, there's this book called by Martin Lloyd-Jones called Spiritual Depression, Its Cause and Its Cure. Okay, even in this book, very little is written about this topic, about being, feeling abandoned by God. Feeling like, you know, God, are you really there? Especially when things that God has spoken to you and it has not come to pass. Here we are towards the tail end. How many of you still have prayers that are unanswered? God, not. Okay. How many of you still have prayers that are still, uh, come on, come on. I, I need to know so that I know I'm preaching correctly, okay? I, I know I'm talking to some people here. All right, correct. Thank you very much. I do. I have some prayers unanswered. I still have some things that I'm waiting for till today, and I still haven't seen it come to past. And that's real. And that's very, very real. And Christians aren't always happy people. We still struggle to understand how, in, how we still struggle to understand how an infinite God is working through our finite minds. Because here we are in our finite minds, in our little understanding of how things are supposed to work. We are trying to box God into work in a certain way. So as a result of that, you don't, you, we, we, we will never be able to interpret or understand what, how God is working. Well, today I want you to know that I'm not here. Okay, please, let's get this clear first. I'm not here to have a pity party. I'm not here to open a floodgate for us to all feel sorry for ourselves. That's not the intention of this sermon, okay? Not the intention of this sermon for us to like, oh, yeah, you see the pastors will say we should be depressed and then we should feel it all, you know? No, 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 I, I'm not there. I'm just here because I want us to understand, we need to understand that, that we, and simply acknowledge that just as the moon has a dark side or the far side, that in our lives, we also have situations in our lives that may not be seen by others. 
but it is seen through and through by the maker, by your maker. That God sees everything that is happening in your life. It may not be seen by the naked eyes of your friends or even family members, but God sees what you are going through every step of the way. In fact, the far side of the moon also gets the same amount of sun. It's just that you, don't, you and I don't see it when it's our turn to, to look at the moon. Yeah? So that is how this, um, this, that's where I'm coming from, the far side of the moon. And today, this first part here, I want to talk a little bit about the waiting process. I am so glad that, that but the Bible doesn't omit um, the real feelings and the authentic sharing of different ones in the Bible. He doesn't just tell us the good things, you know, of how to stay positive. Come on, everybody, stay positive. Don't say any bad things. Don't say any negative things. Don't share about how sad you are, how frustrated you are. Because the Bible doesn't omit all those things. You and I know that these things are real. Have you ever read Genesis when Moses is upset? Yeah, I have. Have you ever read Lamentations where the prophet Jeremiah is crying over the death of King Josiah and he laments and laments, you know, and it's like so, so charm like that. So kasian. He talks about all these things. Have you ever read Job? Yes, we always read the end part and we say that, wow, Job remained faithful through it all. But have you ever read Job chapter 3? Job chapter 3, he cursed the day that he was born. Go and read it. He was that angry. You know what he said? Let me show you. Let me, t- let me read to you one portion of what he said. He actually says this. Job said, Curse that night for letting me be born, for exposing me to trouble and grief. I wish I had died in my mother's womb or died the moment I was born. My goodness. Is this the same Job that you and I always want to talk about that says, wow, he was faithful, you know, he didn't, he didn't go through, a, he, he, you know, he didn't, fra- he didn't just, just uh, uh, deny God. He was going through these struggles. Curse the day. Why, why was I, what did my mother, why did my mother hold me on her knees? Why did she feed me at her breast? That was Job's cry. Have you ever read the psalm? And the laments in the psalm of how King David was frustrated one moment. It's not all about let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It was a lot of frustration as well. I'm glad David really, you know, he was honest to talk about his painful and his journeys with God. And I'm glad he didn't cover up his struggles and hide his bad feelings. David didn't mind being thought of as weak, as failing or troubled. He simply cried out to the Lord all the more. So in these two weeks, I'm going to talk about, go through some of these things through the life of David. Okay? And the understanding, the weight and the denial moments that David had to face in his life. So, I want you to understand what I'm going to do is this. A lot of the psalm was, was written, okay? You don't see it correlated uh, or, or parallel because the psalms are put together like the poetry, yeah? But actually, a lot of the psalms, when David wrote, wrote them, they were because he was going through some things in his life. And the things that he was going through in his life is found in another book. So you, don't, you won't be able to read the whole understanding of it if, unless you read the book of Samuel. Okay, so... In 1 Samuel, 
chapter 21, verse 15 to verse to First sec- Samuel uh, chapter 22, verse 2. You go back and read it. It's a whole story of how David flees King Saul. Okay, so this is how he was going through. David was going through one of his lowest point of his life. Now, David never asked for this. He was very happily being a shepherd boy in the field. The father forgot about him also, even when the prophet Samuel came to look for a king in his household. But no, I mean, he, the, the prophet had to ask, do you have any other children? Then only, oh, oh yeah, I got one more, the youngest one, but he's in the field. Do you know what I mean? It was like, he was not minding, he was not there to look for position, he was not there to, please, please, you know, check if it's me, am I the one that is being anointed? It was something that when, when the Lord brought him, when, when the Father brought him in, and the Lord had already chosen him and anointed him. Now, now he's anointed and suddenly he finds himself in the battlefield. Suddenly he finds himself in the palace. Suddenly he finds himself being very famous. Everybody was shouting his name and saying that, you know, that he is he's so great, you know, and he can fight so many people and he, he's so strong and, and all that. And as a result of that, King Saul, who was the king at that point of time, was becoming more and more intimidated and jealous about him. So he wanted to kill him. So because of this, he had to flee from wherever, the, from the palace situation out to, and run away so that, and he ran away like a fugitive. So this point was his lowest point of his life. And I can imagine how crazy it will be. If I were him, I would be thinking to myself, God, this is unfair. I never asked to be anointed as king. I never asked to, to fight any battles or, or to kill any giants. I never asked for this, you know. But then you took me out from my, like, my comforting job of, of being a shepherd boy. And then you asked me to come out here and, you know, you anointed me and then and you gave me all this favour with the king. And then now I've done all my part. I can play the harp for him. I can calm his spirit. And then everybody likes me. And now the king hates me and he wants to kill me. It's not my fault. What's going on? He was about 15 years old. 15 years old. This was what the scholar says. He's about 15 years old when he was anointed as king. Do you know how many years before he actually became king? It was another 15 years. That's a mighty long time. You thought that your promises at the beginning of year is going to be answered at the end of this year? 15 years for him to finally become the king of the whole of Israel. Now, in this point of, at this point of time, David was feeling very, very despaired. He was so confused, he was probably very sad, and he was probably very frustrated with what he was going through. And as a result of that, he wrote a psalm. And this psalm is a psalm called Psalm 13. So now do you understand why I say you cannot just read Psalm 13 as it is and you don't understand what the background is? Psalm 13 was written when David was running away from King Saul. He had gone from one place to another, from Gath. This is another interesting thing. There's another sermon altogether. It's so strange. Remember the Philistine Goliath, right, that he killed? Actually, this Philistine is from Gath. And I don't understand, right, why of all places David ran, he ran to Gath. One of the places he actually ran to was at this place called Gath. And 
that's another, another exciting sermon that I would like to develop as well. So funny. Why? Why? Why run back? Won't the people there kill you? Of all places to go to, to for, for refuge. So he went there and from Gath, he was running to this cave called Cave of Adullam. Okay? And that was where this period where this psalm was written. Okay, can we, can you all see it? Can? Is it very, very small? No, can? Okay, let's stand together. Let's read this verse together. Okay, Psalm 13, verse 1 to 6. That's all there is to this psalm. Okay, 1, 2, 3. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you... How long must I wrestle with my thoughts, my days after day, have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer, Lord my God. Give my light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. I to say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that that, Lord, you allow us to be us. You allow us to be vulnerable before your presence. You allow us, oh God, to, to express, Lord, deep feelings in our hearts and our spirit. And I pray in the name of Jesus that today you will speak to every one of our hearts, oh God, that, Lord, you are really a good God, a God that will turn situations around, a God that is working even while we don't see what's happening and we don't understand why it seems to be so silent or it seems to be so long. But God, you are working and you are doing all things, Father, according to your time, according to your purpose. So we commit this service into your hands. We commit every hearer. Lord, let there be openness in our heart and in our spirit. And Father, I commit myself to you, Lord, even as I communicate your word. Anoint and let your word, Father, speak and minister to your people so specifically, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So this Psalm 13 was written when David was on the run as a fugitive. Okay, can we see that? David's fugitive journey. So he started off at number one at Kiriath Jerim, and then he went to number two at Mizpah, and then he fled to number three, which is at Gibeah, number four at Nob. Then he went to Gath, which is very far on this side, near Philistia, number five, Gath is there, and then Adullam. Adullam is a cave area, okay? This is where, on this journey from Gath to Adullam, okay, remember, yeah, it looks very small on this map, but he was travelling on foot, alone. He was travelling on foot, alone. So this is not just a near journey. So I don't know how long within this time had he was pondering and he was going through what he was going through and he penned down this psalm. It could be for weeks, before he actually reached there, or days before he actually reached there. And so it, it was been a period of time, or he was just thinking through from his first journey out all the way, and he penned this down, and he wrote this particular psalm. Psalm, David wrote Psalm 13, how to overcome the feeling of despair. And, and, and he was, it was really something that he felt so abandoned, so lonely. That's why he kept on saying, how long, Lord? How long will you forget me? How long... And it goes on and on to, to share, to, to see, to show you how real his feelings were. Psalm 13 reveals that although God can be, 
God cannot be our refuge if we don't hear His invitation to run to Him or remember that He is there. God cannot be our refuge if you don't hear His invitation to come to Him or remember that He is there. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom and go through such dark moments in our lives and face incredible convulsions in our lives to really see Him, even though He's been there all the time. Now, I remember being in Bangladesh and um, we had to travel by bus. A lot of times we travel by bus from one town to another. And these bus rides are not short bus rides. Yeah, they're talking about a couple of hours. And in Bangladesh, one of the highest... Um, uh, they have a lot of, the accident rate is very high because the roads are very narrow okay, at the hillside. And they travel right like crazy people and their, their bus, they, they drive a very fast one. And, and it's so narrow. Can you imagine a bus and another bus, right? And you're talking about a ledge. Literally, you can actually see down there and it's like, it's a ravine. So there are moments, right, where the bus will travel and they will, you know, and it's like, oh my God, you know, I think I'm going to go to heaven right now, you know, and I, don't, I won't see anybody anymore. I won't see this church anymore. I won't see my family anymore. It's that scary because they just drive like, like, and if you don't have your honk working in Bangladesh, you are in trouble. Because that's the only thing that will save your life. So it's like, every other moment, right? One hand is on the honk, one hand is on the steering wheel. And so it's quite scary, lah, but thank you, Jesus, I'm still here. So, you know, uh, so you know I, I, I didn't die yet. Okay, so they will drive. When, when you're on a straight road, it's not so bad. You don't really think about all these things. You don't even think about who's driving the bus when you're on a straight road and it's fine. But the moment you start going through and then it's jam brake because there's another oncoming bus and they have to try, now try to manoeuvre. I still remember there was one point where we had to stop because there were a lot of people at the side looking down the ravine. Actually, one bus just fell off. So then you are wondering to yourself, who in the world is driving this bus? Is he even... Is he, can I trust him? Does he, is he high on something? Or is he, did he, you know, did he have enough sleep the night before? Did he... Before that, right, when everything else is smooth sailing, you never think about who's driving the bus. When. It's only when things are terrible, when things are scary, that's when you suddenly realise, who is behind these wheels? Who is steering this bus? Who is holding, who is actually driving us from this end to the other end? And isn't that the same with us in our journey. When things are going fine, we don't really think about how, how the mechanics are. It is always when things are challenging in our lives, when things seem like you don't hear God speaking at this point of time anymore, that's when suddenly you, you ask yourself, is God really there? Who is running my life? Who is taking the wheels of my life? What's going on? And perhaps this is why David had to go through what he went through. God was about to take hold of him and capture David's full attention on his journey to live in the cave of Adullam. This launched David's cave moments it would soon prove to be one of the deepest trials and the darkest side of his life. 
Because David had to go through these moments and really understand for himself who God is in his life. I've been in full-time ministry and I've spoken to, for many years now, I've spoken to many people and as a follower of Christ for 28 years, I'm convinced with all my heart that the feeling of abandonment is real. The feeling of abandonment is very common amongst believers. In fact, just in this last couple of months, I've been, I've been ministering to someone. And just to hear this person scream and yell at God because of some situations that the person is going through is heartbreaking. Literally screaming and yelling and say, where is God? We are all disillusioned. I am disillusioned. There is no God. And you're talking about someone who has been a believer for many, many years. And how real it is. It was very interesting because this sermon had come much earlier and, and as this person was going through what this person was going through, it just reminded me how real it is for people to feel that way. And I sat there reading those texts. I don't know how to answer. I really don't know how to answer. So in the end, I told the person, I said, I really don't have answers for you. All I know is God loves you. And I love you. And that's how real it is. People go through struggles. People go through moments of their cave which are so painful in their lives. So we read in Psalms 13 about what David had gone through. And the opening words of Psalm 13, verse 1 and 2, which you have it here, reveal four deeply wounded areas of David's life. And his confession sometimes may strike a chord in each of our own hearts as well. There were four things that may strike a chord for you and I today, even as we approach the end of the year, even as we reflect upon our lives, reflect upon God's promises in our lives and wonder, God, you know, how far more, how long more? How long more? Should I need to go through this? Firstly, I want us to see this. You feel this way when life feels like an endless struggle. When life feels like an endless struggle. David says this, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? When life feels like an endless struggle. Struggle. In fact, right, very interestingly, the way that David writes, right, he wrote that he wrote there, there were four how longs. How long, how long this, how long, how long, and how long. It was a it's a very it's a type of writing, right? Basically, he doesn't even wait for an answer. Before the next before the answer comes, he's already asking the next question. Before the answer comes, he asks, asks the next question. So how long? How long? How long? And how long? And it actually expresses expresses the emotion woundedness that he was going through. And that's exactly how this person, when the person texted me, that was exactly what the person did. There is, where is God? What is happening? I don't believe anymore. I don't even have to answer. I can't answer. 
It's just one question and it signifies that deep emotional wound that that person was going through. So David was going through such a painful time and he says, when you feel like life is an endless struggle, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Everyone had left David. He was being hunted by his own family, his father-in-law, yeah? Some, his own people, people like Doeg, the Edomite, in Saul's army. These were his own people. He was being hunted by them. His covenant people, threatened by enemies as he entered a bleak desert region. Remember, he went to Gath, the place where, it's a place where all the giants are. The Philistines, he just killed Goliath not too long ago, not many years ago. I'm quite sure that they still remember what he did. He was going into their region and he was being hunted. So everything in his being, he felt dejected and abandoned. It was a tough season. And it's a tough season when you go through where you feel like there is no safe place to go. There is just absolutely no safe place to go. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what situation it is. Perhaps that you are going through certain times in your life where you feel like it's an endless struggle. That it seems like as if there's no one to turn to, there's no one to talk to, there is no one, everybody. The people whom you thought you could trust are the ones that are backstabbing you. The people whom you thought you can lean on is the one that is hurting you. That's exactly what David was going through. The people whom you thought are supposed to protect you are the very ones that are causing you harm. And that's what David was going through when life feels like an endless struggle. What is going on? What is going on, God? I just can't go on. Perhaps you've reached a point in your marriage, your family, your work, or your, or your studies where you feel like, you know, I really don't know how to carry on anymore. I don't know how to cope with this situation anymore. I don't know. There's no one. There is no place. And that's the frustration you're going through and it feels like an endless struggle. You thought by moving to another place, you will find that kind of comfort in another place, but you don't. That's why David was like that. He thought he moved from one place to another, to another and to another. He would find some sort of refuge, but he couldn't. Although he moved from one place to another, he kept on fleeing from one place to another, to another, and to another. It just was a never-ending struggle. Secondly, when you feel like you've lost God's blessings, when you feel like you've lost God's blessings, how long will you hide your face from me? That's what David said. How long, God, will you hide your face from me? How long, God, will you hide your favour from me? Sometimes you don't sense that God is there, but He is. Sometimes we don't think that He's blessing us, but He has been. Sometimes we don't think He's watching over us, but He is. But in David's distress, he's lost sight of God's presence and God's blessing. And the reality and perception both deeply influence our lives. For example, if we perceive that someone is upset with you, it doesn't matter whether the person does or does not, but because your perception changes how you relate with that person. When David perceived a lack of apparent blessing of God, he said, nothing is like it used to be. Every part of my life is troubled and is suffering from a lack of blessing. And perhaps in the midst of your struggle, you've lost sight of all the blessings that you actually have in your life. Perhaps you are going through a situation in your life right now and you can't even see God's blessings in your life. 
friends, I'm here to remind you that even though you are going through whatever you are going through, God is still there and He's still watching you and He's still blessing you. His presence is still walking with you every step of the way. He has never left you nor forsaken you. Every step of the way, He has been there. David, for one, lost sight of God's blessings in his life. It's very interesting uh, sharing with you about this person who was, who was very upset with God. And, um, and then something happened, you know, and we managed to, to catch a blessing in the midst of it all. And I reminded that person. And the person told me, you're right. I've been so overwhelmed by the issue that I have forgotten what a blessing I have. You're right. I've been so overwhelmed by, by the issue that I've forgotten that along the journey, if, if not for God, I would not have come this far. And sometimes we forget that. We forget that, and we're so focused on the problem, we get so upset with the problem that we forget that God has been such a good God in providing and seeing us through every step of the way. And I pray that today will serve as a reminder. Just like David, David, yes, he cried out. He said, you know, I, I don't feel your blessing. I don't feel your favor anymore. I feel that you have hid your face from me. Is your hand really upon me? Is your face really looking at me, God? That was what David was going through. Thirdly, when your mind seems so troubled, when your mind seems so troubled, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Wow. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? David's experience of being swept away by his emotions is common. He has dwelled so long on the disaster, one issue after another, one disaster after another, that he was feeding on the dark thoughts of hopelessness. He couldn't stop. Although, almost like his thoughts were really snowballing and going on fast, going down faster and faster. And it's very common that we go through this emotional upheaval. You don't have to be running away from the Philistines or running away from somebody who is trying to hurt you. Here are some of the things that can cause you to go into a mind where you feel so troubled over and over again in your life. When a, personal, when a person is a very emotional, has a very emotional temperament, there are two main groups of personalities. Very interesting. There are two main groups of personalities. One group is called the flatliners. And the other group is called the up and downers. Okay? What do you think David was? He was an up and downer. <laughs> right? And it's, it's very interesting. Okay, let me ask you. What do you think? What do you think Paul was? The Apostle Paul. He's pretty much quite a flatliner. You know why? He can be in chains and still say rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And uh, he can go through the difficult moments in his life, persecuted and all, and say, you know, I, I rejoice for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
And here you are thinking to yourself, I cannot complain like this, you know. If Paul is so full of faith and all that, how to complain? How are we going to, to, to really express ourselves? He's quite a flat lighter, honestly. And uh, he's, he's, he, he, it's like nothing perturbs him. Really, the super advanced level in his faith, that type, you know. But David, on the other hand, he is an up and downer. He has an emotional temperament does affect us in the way we respond to different situations in our lives. So, he, this, this guy who wrote that book, the Spiritual Depression book, right, it cause, it's Causes and Cure. He says this, foremost of all causes of spiritual depression is temperament. There is no such thing as a good or bad temperament. Yet a flat line, people often think that up yet flat line people often think that up and down people are out of control. And the up and down people view flat line people as not caring about anything because they have no feelings. So you know you talk to people and then you like, it's okay, don't say like that. You cannot say like that. Okay? You just trust God. Trust God, ah. You cannot have negative thoughts. Don't talk like that. So, so the person there is like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, you feel so bad for saying all these things or so. But David, on the other hand, was an up and downer. He will cry. <laughs> you know why I'm so sad? You know, I, I, how long more will you? The truth of the matter is God designed every person as unique. There is no right or wrong response to this. That's why God allowed every part of it to be in the Bible. It's not just all the good things. It's not just all the beautiful things. It's not just everything that works out in it in, 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 and, and, and is fine and dandy. He allows us to see the pictures of the side, of that, the dark side, where the craters are, where the difficulty, the coldness is, so that you and I can identify because some people are the up and downness. Some people do go through trying moments and cry and are not so strong to go through it and need that support and need that understanding just to hear them out. It's okay. It's okay. It's also, it can also be caused, why is your mind troubled? It's also when a person goes through acute physical sickness or somebody in the family goes through acute physical sickness. You know, Charles Spurgeon went through, Charles Spurgeon is an amazing uh, uh, writer and uh, he pre was a spiritual giant, okay? incredible expositor, such an extraordinary writer, pastor, had severe bouts of paralyzing depression. You all didn't know that. Charles Spurgeon had severe paralyzing depression. You know why? Because our friend was suffering from gout. He had severe gout that caused him to actually plunge into, um, into depression. Okay, I, I don't know, like, we must pray for Pastor Vincent, okay? I hope he doesn't go through all this because it's quite sad, no? because he also got gout one sometimes and uh, it's quite painful as well. But he's amazing, he still goes on. You know, sometimes uh, you all don't see, you know. In fact, like, I think it was last Saturday or previous Saturday when he was preaching here, he was actually going through a bout of pain as well. But you and I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. So this guy, who is such a great expositor and he writes so many things, Spurgeon, he was, there was a, a, a very, he went through this guy and he tried to push it so hard and because he was always pushing, he was always working, he was always, times of extreme fatigue and physical weakness are really, was not helping in his situation. Okay, thirdly, in a way, why we go through troubled minds is when a person goes through an emotional letdown. Another weak and vulnerable time after, which, which this happens is after a great, situa a great success. 
When you go through a great success, a lot of times, sometimes when you pull back, that's when, that's when, when you go through the lowest moments in your life. So you need to be very careful when you go through a great success in your life that you don't get carried away and you know, learn how to take time. Just like how Jesus, after he fed the 5,000, he would retreat to a place so that he can have that solitude moment with his God and with his Father. So sometimes when you go through those moments, you just have to be careful when you have those great success, when you, some project goes through and you're so excited and you've closed a great deal in your company or, or whatever it is, learn to take time in the presence of God and don't allow all these things to, to over, overcloud you, okay? So he needed extra time. Jesus needed extra time to be with the presence of God, to be refreshed, renewed in his life. David was saying, I can't stop these feelings of dejection and abandonment. It is a pattern of, of if it is a pattern in your life, you need to watch, that, watch out for this letdowns of emotion. Letdowns of emotion which can cause you to go into deep depression. Okay? So, just remember this. And the fourth thing here that, that we talk about here is this. When, I begin, when you begin to doubt God's plan in your life, how long will, you, will my enemy triumph over me? Now, what do you mean by this? Remember I told you, David knew in his heart that when the prophet Samuel anointed him, he was going to be king. But he didn't see the end of that until many, many years later, 15 years later before he finally became king. So when David said this, how long will you let my enemy triumph over me? It was almost saying that, God, I thought I am the king and I have more, all the power to, to be the one that is, that is powerful, that is being protected, that is you know, in control. But instead of being in control, David went into this point of saying that, how long will my enemy, my enemy is going to triumph over me and I'm going to be overcome. He couldn't see God's plan in his life anymore. He couldn't even see that, will I ever become king? In fact, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be murdered throughout this journey already. I'm, I'm not going to see the fruition of God's promises in my life. And perhaps this is something that you and I could be going through as well. God, you promised this, you promised this, but I can't even see a glimpse of what's happening in fact, it's like I'm going to die already in this situation. And you start doubting God's plan in your life and that's how it is. That's exactly the place where the devil wants you to be. He will always put you in a place where he, he will cause you to think that, you know, God's plans and your purposes for your life are not to prosper you. In fact, they have harmed you. They've not given you a hope or future. And that's the direct opposite of what God has for you in your life. So a lot of times, when we go through situations like this, you will start doubting God's plans for your life. Have I doubted God's plans for my life? Yeah, many times. Many a times. Because sometimes I also cannot see. I too cannot understand why does He put these different hurdles in my life for me to go through what I have to go through. Shouldn't it be so smooth? Shouldn't it be, you know, like, David, come on. You know, it should, it should have been his anointed and the next day he should be king. Why must go through so many things? Why must he go through all the hurdles? Why must he go through running away like a fugitive, like as if he, was, he is like the, the one in the wrong? He never asked for it. He never asked to be called to be king. 
He didn't pray that God, you know, in his shepherd moments, you know, I know, Lord, one day I'll be king of Israel. No, he never said that. He never once asked for this position. And similarly, a lot of you as well, you never asked for a lot of things. You didn't ask to be put in positions where God has placed you in. You never asked for certain things that God has placed in your heart. And yet, He has. But yet, till today, you don't see it coming to pass. Till today, it's a doubt of whether God's plan is true or not. So, David really went through these moments where he felt that he was... Firstly, he, he felt that life was an endless struggle. He felt that he was losing out on God's blessing. He lost sight of God's blessing in his life. And he felt like as if his mind was so troubled all the time because it was a constant... He moved from one place to another, yet he could not be settled because there was always something wrong. There was always something he needed to look out for. He went to the cave of Adullam. If you go back and read the story, he went to the cave of Adullam. Yes, his family and some other people came and he gathered about 400 people to be his army. But because he was trying to protect his family, he had to leave this cave. He had to leave his family and he went somewhere else. So it was like always one thing after another. He could never stop running. Perhaps we are going through situations like that as well. What is going on? You know, one thing after another, one issue after another, maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe in your, in, in your family. One thing after another, he was always troubled and that causes us to doubt God's plan in our lives. And how real it is. That's why I say I love David. I love David that he was so human, he was so authentic in the way he talked and he shared. And everything that he wrote was so heartfelt. It's so, okay, it's, it's very much like a lot of human beings today. <laughs> How many of you can really identify with what David is saying? That it's, yeah, that it's not just fine and dandy, that it's not just always a bed of roses, but we still do feel, and all these things are real in our lives. It's the one and same moon, the moon that faces the earth, and we can see how beautiful it is, but there's also the other dark side that has got its craters and that's got its issues and that has got its mess. But I love how things turned around for David. And I pray that this will also be turning points. As you end this year, you will also have these turning points in your life where you may not understand everything that is going through, that you're going through, but you will be like David who at this turning point and he says this in verse 3, look, at, look on me. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. I like that. Look at me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. So the first two verses, he was talking about how long will I? How long will I? How long will I? How long will I? It's about me. I'm going through this, God. I am going through this. I am dying. I am not getting your favor. I don't see your hand. I don't see your blessings. I don't see what you're, I'm going through. I, I, I don't understand why I'm going How long will I? It's all about me. Then suddenly, he goes this, look on me. Look on me and answer. Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He was suddenly, he turned his conversation around about looking for himself and he turned it around to look at God. And he told God, God, look at me. Have you seen children when they, when they do, when they make a mistake? Eh? 
you call them to come to you and you want to reprimand them, do they look up at you like this? What's wrong? Most of the time, they look down, right? Because they feel guilty. Even your dog does that. Lah. Those of you who have had dogs before, sometimes your dog chews up a, a, a slipper and then you lift up the slipper. Sparky, come here now! And then the poor dog will be like, the head is down. Correct? Because the dog knows and is guilty that he did something wrong. Similarly, the children as well. When you call them, who broke this vase? Nobody's going to look at you in the eye. And you feel very sad. And I think that is exactly how it is with us. When you go through a trying moment, sometimes instead of looking up to God, our eyes are looking down. We're in despair, we feel sad, we don't even dare to look up at God. But I like this turning point when David says, God, look at me. Look at me. And he turned it around. So when you have to look at God, he himself has to look up. He himself has to turn his face up and say, God, look at me. Notice me, God. He starts talking to a God. He starts turning his perspective around to say, God, look at me. Answer me. Do you know anxiety is nothing more than us looking at our problems rather than our problem solver? Anxiety is nothing more than us looking at our problems greater than our problem solver. Because we keep focusing on the issue, how long will I, how long will I go through, how long will I, how long will I? But David very in amazing ways, he turned around, he said, look at me and answer me. He realized that he could not find the solution on his own. He realized that he could not drive this bus on his own. He could not take the wheels of his life on his own and he needed God to be in his life. And he needed God to be the one steering it. Answer me. Lord, it is in you that I have the solutions. It is in you that you will bring about that refuge into my life. He says, restore me. What does it restore me? He says, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. He had lost sight of what God is. He had lost sight of how God, how amazing God is in his life, how God has seen him through and he needed sight, spiritual sight to be restored to him. And a lot of us need spiritual sight to be restored to us in one way or another. Sometimes we don't see what we are going through and we, and we are so drowned in our situation, we are so drowned in all our issues that we don't see God working even in our situation. You sang that earlier. You sang, you know, He's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That even when we don't see it, He's working. Even when you don't feel it, He's working. And that was exactly what David was doing at this point of time in his life. He turned the conversation around from looking at what he was going through and he was saying, God, look at me. Can you please, please look at me, answer me. Answer me and restore me, restore my sight, restore my understanding of you. And then verse 4 to verse 6, he turns around he starts praising God. That was how amazing that turnaround was with David. He says, 
to, to look at me, you know, enlighten me. Don't, don't, don't hide yourself from me. Answer me. You are my solution. I will cling on to your truth. Restore me. Help me see what you are doing even when I don't understand. Even when I don't hear you, Lord, help me to hold on to you. Psalm 13 ends with David in singing to the Lord. He says this, And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And that's the amazing thing about how David turned his life around. At that point of time, the situation didn't change. Was he still fleeing from one place to another? Yes. Was he still running from one place to another to save himself from King Saul? Yes. Will your financial situations overnight turn, turn overnight and, and be resolved? No. Will the relationships that you go through as still broken and they're still painful, will they still be, that those situations still be there? Yes, it will still be there. But yet, at that point of time, even when all those things are happening, you know, the enemy will say that I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice. When, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been so good to me. I pray that this is how you will go through in your situations as well. As you come towards the end of the year, Perhaps there are certain things in your life where it's still a weight. There are still certain things in your life which are not, have not come to fruition. But you will be like David that will turn around instead of saying, why God, why have you not answered my prayers? You will say, God, look at me, answer me, restore me, restore my faith in you. That I will not be shaken that when I start the next year, I will know that this same God that has been faithful and taken care of me even through every journey of my life will still continue to be faithful in this coming year. And I will hold on to you because I trust in your unfailing love that your heart and my heart will rejoice because this God will never fail me and you are always, always good to me. Suddenly, David stops. He lifts his chin up and he looks up toward heaven and says, Lord, look at me, answer me, restore me. And that command God gives, and that moment, God gives David the presence, the power and the awareness he needed to sing praises to him. You know, to feel abandoned, to actually feel abandoned means you were once not abandoned before. Correct? To feel abandoned, you must actually have a moment where you were not abandoned. So David knew what it was like to have God with him. David knew what it was like to fight in the name of the Lord. David knew how it was like to have favour before the presence of kings. He knew what it was like to be able to command armies. He knew what it was like to be able to have people who supported him. But at this point of his life, he felt abandoned. He felt abandoned even by God. So the moment when you feel something like that, it shows that you did feel that presence of God before in your life. You did feel His power in your life. And once again, we just need to be reminded that God is there. The conclusion I want to tell, bring to us is the devil always wants us to make us doubt God's goodness, His plan, His timing and His word. 
But if you allow doubt to take over your emotions, your temperament is running, then your temperament will run the show. Your emotions will run the show. Your emotions will run your life. Taking the wheels, you will slowly, really, literally hit and crash and totally deny how good God has been in your life. Who exactly is upfront driving at your, your, your life? Who exactly is upfront taking the wheels of your life? Who exactly is steering your, your way through every day of your life, every month of your life? David, for one, found hope in his darkness, in his darkest hour. David found hope in his dark hour because troubles and temptations always push him towards God. Even when he felt all alone, he discovered that his driver was still there steering him safely through the storm. All that you go through, I pray and hope that as you end this year, as you wait for the promises of God to come to pass in your life, you will recognize that sometimes the wait is for us to recognize that all you need is Him, that all you need to hold on to is Him. Dark times merely surface the reality that God is all we need. Dark moments in our lives always surface the reality that God has, that is always there for us. He's seeing us through. He's shining even on the darkest side of the moon. He's there. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. As we end this year, towards the end of this year, I want you to know that I think it's important for us to recognize and it's okay to recognize that there are craters and there are situations in our lives that may not have gone so well. There are moments where you may have doubted God, you may have doubted the presence of God in your life. But I want you to understand that it was never to kill you. It was never to show you that God doesn't care. But sometimes the wait for your prayers may take longer than it seems. Sometimes the answer to your prayers may take longer than you hope it will be. And it's okay to acknowledge your frustrations. Talk to someone. And as we listen to those someone, let's be empathetic to them and not just give the Christian answers. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Look at Paul, you know, he was going through so much. You wimp, you. Shame on you for feeling this way. Instead, let's walk alongside. Because every feeling and every one of those frustrations are real. And it's okay. But we're not here to dwell on just all those things. We're not here to... to like I said, this is not a pity party. This is not a 
a place where we're going to open the floodgate and say, oh, yeah, I'm so, I'm so kasihan, no? I, this year, I've gone through so much. None of my prayers are answered and you get very frustrated. This is not it. I want us to know and end this year knowing that you can turn to God. Turn those frustrations, turn those looking at what you didn't get yet and turn and say, God, look at me. And I, and I look for the answers in you. I look for the answers in you. I don't understand why things are taking longer than it should be to come to pass, but I look to you. Please restore my sight. Please restore my unbelief that I will not have this unbelief in my heart. Restore my trust in you. Restore my faith in you. Restore my hope in you that I will learn to sing praises to you even in the darkest moments of my life. Amen. As you enter towards the last month of this year, may you be encouraged. As David went through this, the David that we see that is amazing, that is godly, and that worships the Lord all the time, had his dark moments and his trying moments too. But we can turn it around to praise Him every single day because He is still a good God. He will see you through in due time. Amen? Amen? Turn to your neighbour and say, in due time. In His time, in due time. Some may take 15 years. <sighs> some may take 20. Some may take 50 years. But in due time, He will always be faithful in due time. But even when you don't see it, He's working. Even when you don't feel it, He's working. Amen. Let's stand up together. Let's worship the Lord together. Thank you for watching. Subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on anything new and stay connected with us on our social media.